Thanks for tuning in to The Happiness Playbook, a podcast where we explore the why and how of happiness. I'm your host, Neil Hooper, and I just wanted to remind you that life is a team sport, so let's play together. Before we get started, we want to give a big shout out to all our Play Theory recruits spreading the good word out there in New Hampshire and the New England area. Thank you so much for the love. In its essence, that is truly what Play Theory is all about, love. When we find something we love or something that makes us happy, it is such a healthy, generous response to want to share it. So keep on preaching and sharing your goodness and inviting others to the source that makes you joyous. We are honored that Play Theory can help you in your journey. Thank you. Speaking of joy, do you know what the results were of the longest study on human happiness ever conducted? Find out today as we explore the Play Theory principle, Look Outward. Let's kick things off with our highlight reel where we share some of the good things happening in the world. Throughout the pandemic, I think it's safe to say we've all felt the COVID-19 blues one way or another. A lot of people have reported that they have experienced a great deal of loneliness. Well, this next story is a touching ray of hope for any of you feeling that loneliness. Our story today, which we find in an article on goodnewsnetwork.com, is entitled Lonely Widower Puts Up a Poster Asking for Friends and is Flooded with Messages from New Pals. It's a very special, touching message. So, Tony, a retired 75-year-old physicist from England's East Hampshire, felt a dark loneliness creep into his life when, in May, his wife passed away just nine days after a diagnosis of pancreatic cancer. Without any children, he and his wife were unable to bear children, or family nearby, Tony put up a poster in the window of his home which reads the following, I have lost Joe, my lovely wife and soulmate. I have no friends or family, no one to talk to, I find the unremitting silence 24 hours a day unbearable torture. Can no one help? So he put out this plea uh, in his window. It didn't take long before he began enjoying the outreach from hundreds of people from all over the world. These days, he passes the time chatting on the phone with strangers, now friends, from around the world and plans to meet up with his new pals once COVID restrictions allow. How cool is that? He says with gratitude at the end of the article, I've just been completely overwhelmed and so thankful for it all. What a beautiful story that I'm sure we can all relate to. That depression and anxiety comes in hard, especially with this pandemic rolling through town. How beautiful to find the silver lining to some of the hardest of tragedies. I love how his cry for help was met with such positivity and love. For our team huddle today, let's read a review from Grayman17, who says, Applying these principles is easy because they are simple and universal. Every kind of person can benefit from attempting to utilize them in their life. The world needs more genuine positivity, and Play Theory brings that to our table. Thank you for those kind words, Grayman17. The world absolutely needs more genuine positivity, and we're grateful to have you along for the journey. Thank you. 
Also, just wanted to give a big thank you to everyone who responded on the Play Theory Facebook group about how they are applying play theory in their day-to-day life. So I kind of put out this call to share applications in the group, and there were so many of you that responded. Thank you so much. Those are very helpful and are going to benefit a very secret but exciting project that is in the works. More to come on that later. But first, I just wanted to read from Rose in our Facebook group um, what she shared. She said, Play theory helped me to approach my new job and parenting with an attitude of a learner rather than a performer. This made me braver, more flexible, and strong enough to create an environment of success for all parties involved. What a great example. Thank you for taking the time to share. As always, if your life has been enhanced in any way by this podcast, we hope you'll take the time to drop us a review and share the love. Today, we are going to dive deep into a truly incredible principle. Look outward. There are a lot of ways to look outward. It can mean to make others look good, to validate, to ask what is needed. But it really comes down to you thinking of others and how you can be a positive force for good. Look outward can also be viewed as the wrapping paper for the whole beautiful play theory package. It's maybe less tangible and more philosophical than the other principles. But to kick things off here, let's take a step back and look at happiness in general. Voltaire, the 18th century French philosopher famous for his wit, is loosely translated as saying, I have decided to be happy because I have been told it is good for my health. While that is definitely a huge truth nugget, it's not so cut and dry as just deciding to be something. That is, of course, an essential step on the journey, but there is more to being happy than just saying it. If only it were that easy. You know what? I'm happy. Here on the Happiness Playbook, we're fond of the saying that happiness is a skill. And we mean it. An important distinction to make here is that we're not saying that deciding to be happy is all that is needed, or that anyone who is not happy is simply choosing not to be happy. If happiness was only one quick decision away, who wouldn't decide to be happy? We'd all be happy. You did a fine job, boy. Congratulations. Thank you, sir. I'm happy. So before anyone starts thinking that being happy is a simple choice, we want to clarify what we mean when we say happiness is a skill and something you can decide to be, while also acknowledging that there are exceptions to the pattern we share here on the Happiness Playbook. To start off, consider what steps it takes to acquire a new skill. Let's take pickleball, for example. Everyone is playing it now or will be by the time Christmas rolls around. It's the fastest growing sport in the nation and pickleball courts are popping up everywhere. Seriously, am I the only one that's seen this? Don't know what I'm talking about? Trust me, most of your friends are already playing it. It's a ton of fun and very easy to learn. No cooking is involved, although there is a kitchen. For those of you on the pickleball bandwagon who know what I'm talking about, think back to when you first learned to play 
And for those of you who will be learning in the near future, which is everyone in the U.S., pay attention. For our listeners outside of the USA, which we do have, by the way, shout out to Kenya and Australia. Woo, woo. I'm sure you'll also see pickleball in some form eventually. It's just a matter of time. Even if you don't, for now, imagine you're learning this new skill, okay? Envision it with clarity. You're hitting a wiffle ball with a paddle over a net to your opponent. Hopefully a friend if you're just starting out on your pickleball quest. And now think about how you have to focus on the ball. Feeling the paddle in your hand, watching the ball come at you, and timing your swing to hit it back towards where it came from. Sound familiar? Maybe like paying attention, showing up, being present? Of course, you're not going to hit the ball over the net every time. You're going to make mistakes. The rules of pickleball are kind of wonky with a kitchen you can't step in and odd serving sets, so you're going to make mistakes there too. If you get so hung up on those errors, you won't have fun and you're going to quit. This part of the pickleball training sounds oddly familiar too, kind of like leaving your ego at the door or letting go and playing. If you can hang in there and keep playing and keep learning from your mistakes, you'll soon be hanging on every word of the person teaching you the ropes. You'll accept their instruction and build on it, figuring out how to apply it to your unique viewpoint and experience. You'll take your current level of ability and you'll continue to grow upon it, which is an example of the third principle, accept and build. Applying these three elements together will strengthen and build your pickleball skill. Notice that improvement is incremental as long as you keep at it. Developing a skill isn't a one-time task. You can check off a list and never think of it again. It can only come after consistent application and effort. It takes practice. And when you practice, you develop a practice like the practice of yoga or meditation. These aren't one and done either, though. Play theory is the same way. And if you want to maintain that skill, it requires refreshing it and practicing it and revisiting it. One of the reasons pickleball is so popular is it's fun even in the beginning, right? You have these quick wins and it's not so difficult right up front. A lot of other skills can be downright painful, let's be honest. If you've ever had a beginning violinist in your home, for example, those initial stages are frankly painfully unpleasant. There is genuine suffering that has to happen before that skill can be enjoyed. And if that wasn't enough cringe for you, just make sure to check out the full video of this violin music posted on the Play Theory Facebook group. Side note, for the handful of you that are still braving the treacherous waters of social media, go join the community. All right, we got this awesome Facebook community that is uh, just very tangible, very good to keep the conversation going. Seriously, though, this group makes it worth being on Facebook. Unless you've seen the new Netflix documentary about how social media is coming to harvest your organs while you are sleeping. Side, side, side note, I'm not talking about the fun rom-com with Bill Pullman and Sandra Bullock called While You Were Sleeping either, which is a classic and great movie date night, by the way. But I digress, and I exaggerate. 
Back to our play theory group on Facebook. No organs will be harvested, I promise. I'm not going to go so far as to say social media land is entirely safe, though, and therefore offer a disclaimer to use at your own discretion. But if you have a genuine need to laugh at funny things shared by your friends here on the Happiness Playbook podcast, then run. Run. How does she do it in Jurassic Park? My wife's really good at that, by the way. Run. Um, anyway... Okay, let's let's get back on topic. Um, pickleball. Are you able to see this idea of skill as a process, something you do repeatedly, persistently, until there is some form of mastery? Is that not how all development and growth happens? And even then, if you don't revisit this skill, applying the same focus and principles, you'll lose it. Or at a minimum, it will begin to deteriorate. That's what we mean when we say happiness is a skill. We don't mean that today, right now, in the midst of everything you're facing, including the very complex balance of hormones, chemicals, interactions with others that all come together as real contributors to your mood and outlook, can be dismissed by saying, as Voltaire did, I've decided to be happy today. Okay, that's not it. But as you learn about play theory's principles and their application, we hope you can see what we're really talking about, that it's a skill or a practice to develop happiness and then safeguard it as you navigate all these challenges. And I don't need to tell you, there are very real challenges and this complex world will throw them at you with more intensity than a pickleball serving machine in high gear. For those of you who have not experienced that, it's terrifying. It would be irresponsible of us to imply that all you need to do is choose to be happy and that's it. What we can honestly say, though, is that when you apply these four principles consistently with the intent to develop the skill of choosing to be happy, you will see huge payoffs. With permission, I share the following insight from our very own Larie Florence, who you might remember is the founder of Play Theory and has been very involved with this whole podcast. Ironically, at one point, she used play theory's principles to identify that she was physically incapable of experiencing happiness. What do we mean by that? Further mindful exploration that she did revealed she had an imbalance in her brain's neurochemistry, and she was able to start a long cumulative process to find healing through nutrition, changing behaviors, and therapy. And to be clear, this kind of chemical imbalance can lead to severe depression, which is not a choice. My mother had severe clinical depression, and it's it's not fun, and it's not something you can just decide your way out of. It's not just a mood. It's a physical malady where the brain is not able to manifest joy. If you're experiencing this kind of pain, you need to acknowledge that it's real and then seek ways to improve the brain's chemistry. We'll let you work that part out with trusted health practitioners and sound research into good brain hygiene. But once those chemical imbalances are addressed where necessary, play theory can help you level up your overall well-being and happiness through development, confidence, and connection, which is a skill.
When applied, these principles establish patterns that develop the skill of a positive outlook and greater mental well-being. And just like with our violin playing or pickleball game, our mood isn't going to instantly improve without committed and effective practice. That's why we decided to launch this podcast to help you with your brain game and support you in regular practice of these principles. Before we leave the disclaimer on play theory's effectiveness on depression, you can read more by Larie on the Home is Cool blog. The URL is homeiscool, all one word, dot wordpress.com. We'll post a link to the full post on the Play Theory Facebook page and in the show notes for you to check out. It's awesome. In there, Larie shares how hard it is to open up about depression because, quote, everyone gets depressed, unquote. And therefore, some feel justified in telling you that they know exactly what you're going through, which is invalidating on so many levels because instead of accepting the person's struggles and seeking to understand where they are coming from, this response is more of a yeah, but which is comparative and invalidating. Yeah, you have depression, but you know, so do I, right? That's kind of the message we're getting. When someone says this, they aren't acknowledging someone else's unique struggles. In reality, because we each have a unique life experience, we cannot truly know what another person is experiencing. We're all so unique and have such different upbringings, beliefs, experiences that make us truly who we are. Sadly, some will also mistakenly label others' depression as discouragement. To be clear, depression is discouraging, and enough discouragement can lead to depression, but that's where the similarity ends. Discouragement can be overcome with an attitude adjustment, whereas depression is a formidable foe, capable of taking even the strongest sufferer's life. To compare the two is like saying, you know what someone with life-threatening cancer is going through because you've had the flu. It's not the same thing. This has all been a rather long roundabout way to get to our last of the four play theory principles, look outward. But in contrast, everyone's frame of reference is indisputably self-centered. We can't escape our own reality. We all see things with our own eyes, which is a great quote found in the book Walk Two Moons by Sharon Creech. In this book, the plot centers around a young girl and her friend's journey to see as others do. It's a fantastic deep dive of how essential it is that we look outside of our limited perspectives. If you do read it or you're familiar with the book, look for the other play three principles. They are all over the place. In the book, our protagonist has to go on a journey to reconcile her life's story. She learns to let go of prejudices as she keeps challenging friendships alive. She accepts others and builds on the positive relationships she does have. At first, she's confused by the saying, we all see things with our own eyes, but by the end of the story, she is finally able to look outward and understand that others see things differently because they have their own eyes to look through. And that is the core message of look outward, empathy toward others. The principle of look outward is understanding this truth. Sometimes people sell it short and sum it up as simply thinking of other people. And while that's one part of it, in reality, when we think as others, we will think of them. True empathy can only develop when we can visualize what another is experiencing, either by having experienced it ourselves or 
by imagining how the other person may have felt. Maybe the Bible's Old Testament law of taking an eye for an eye being replaced by the New Testament's higher law of forgiveness is really about being able to look outward and see or experience what our opponent is seeing. How would that understanding change our outlook and thus our actions? If we truly saw another's grief, sorrow, struggle, injustice, and pain, would we continue to demand justice? Or would we instead seek for mercy for all and not just ourselves? A great example of someone demonstrating empathy where negative emotions could easily have been the norm happened to me when we lived in Chicago. So I had a very interesting experience. As you might know, the traffic in and around Chicago is delightful. One day I was driving and the middle console of our car fell off onto the floor. Unfortunately, this was not a rare occurrence. But in the time I took my eyes off the road and reached down to put it back, the car in front of me had stopped. I quickly slammed on my brakes, but my efforts were insufficient, and I gave a nice little love tap to the car in front of me. Now, I don't know where you're from, but the drivers in Chicago can be aggressive on the road. And... When I saw her signal for me to pull over into a neighborhood nearby, I braced for the worst. As I got out of the car, I was already preparing my story about the console and getting ready for an absolute reaming from her. But to my surprise, the first words out of her mouth were, Are you okay? This immediately changed the whole energy and dynamic of the situation. I felt compassion and concern from her instead of the anger and frustration that I was preparing for. In a pivotal moment, she chose to look outward and try to embody that empathy that we were just talking about. And she expressed concern for me and took the high road rather than letting me have it over an unnecessary fender bender, which was due entirely to my lack of care. Look outward is such a powerful principle, and there is much more to come on this one. But as we wrap up, I want to close with the African Zulu word Ubuntu, which means I am because we are, or humanity towards others. Take a minute to consider how we are all related and how much we can gain by remembering this truth. Remember how I mentioned the longest study ever on happiness? Well, get this. For over 75 years, Harvard's Grant and Gluick study has tracked the physical and emotional well-being of over 724 individuals. Due to the length of the research period, they were required to enlist the help of multiple generations of researchers. Since before World War II, they've diligently been analyzing blood samples, conducting brain scans, and poured over self-reported surveys to compile the findings. The conclusion? Well, according to Robert Waldinger, director of the Harvard Study of Adult Development, one thing surpasses all the rest in terms of importance with the study. He said, the clearest message that we get from this 75-year study is this. Good relationships keep us happier and healthier, period. The secret to health and happiness and the main correlating factor in this study is the quality of our relationships. 
The Zulus had it right. I am because we are. No amount of money, success, adrenaline, or prestige will ever contribute to your well-being and happiness like the quality of your relationships. And that is why looking outward is the crown jewel of play theory and in many ways the goal and objective of play theory. Here's one more quick example to further illustrate the power of this principle. I want you to imagine you're sitting in a room with five other people and you are thinking about only yourself and your needs being met. Meaning, you only have one person, you, who is looking out for your well-being. But now, let's replay that same scenario with the same group of five people, only this time, instead of thinking of yourself, you are now thinking of the other four people in the group, and they are looking outward and yearning for ways to serve everyone in the group, including you. Now, there are five people on your team looking out for you. How do your feelings of fear and scarcity versus well-being and abundance change? Thinking of this example, how do your feelings of fear and scarcity versus well-being and abundance change? This is the power of looking outward, knowing people have your back, knowing that you're in it together. Can you imagine this happening on a worldwide scale? Oh, sorry, I got excited and bumped the mic there. The whole planet would split in half as a love-filled rainbow unicorn galloped out from the Earth's crust. Okay, it would be amazing. And that's our goal, to help the world look outward just a little more. And to think of the community and the well-being of those within your sphere of influence. That's what it's all about. Now, time for our pro tip for the week. How are we going to apply look outward? This week, I want you to practice looking outward, and we're going to start right now, right this second. I want you to take 20 seconds, or however long you need, to think of a few people you haven't connected with in a long time. I'm going to set a timer now and turn on some Zen music for you. Just think about some names for 20 seconds. Here we go. Now, I want you to pick just one name from the list that you brainstormed, and I want you to pause the podcast, and I want you to send them the following text that simply says, was just thinking of you and hoping that you're having a magical day. That's it. I guarantee that this simple text will absolutely make this person's day. Okay, pause the podcast right now and go do it. As always, we want to hear from you. If you have a story, an idea, or feedback, head over to playtheory.org and send us a note on the contact page. If we've benefited your life in any way, we hope you'll look outward and send us some love and leave a five-star review on iTunes. We're building a community of positivity promoters and want you to be a part of it. So head over to our Facebook page and join the conversation. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Happiness Playbook brought to you by Play Theory. 
I love these episodes where we get to do a deep dive into the principles and look outward is such a beautiful one. This week, let's think of others. Let's be bolder and braver in shining love and positivity. Let's make our partners look good. Let's look outward. And as always, remember that life is a team sport. Catch you next week.